Hello, you're listening to the Coffee and Books podcast. I am your host, Scott. Hope all of you are having a wonderful Saturday. Uh, we're going to continue doing what I do best, which is making random podcasts and talking about books. Actually, today, we're going to try something a little different. We're going to talk about an app called Bookmory, which I've recently discovered through following different Facebook groups. Um, if you haven't had it, Bookmory is very good. It's uh, spelled out like book and then kind of like abbreviated memory, so book, Mori. Um, so what the deal is with this app and what makes it special to me is that it has the ability to scan a physical book and then you can highlight paragraphs and phrases and input the text into your phone, So, which is really great for someone like me who wants to come up with notes about favorite passages, but let's say they're a little bit longer. I can actually go through and highlight what I want. So we're going to talk about my latest book today and how I used this app, Bookmarie, to do that. Uh, Bookmarie is also similar to Goodreads. It makes recommendations, um, keeps track of what page you're on, um, and even has like a cool graphic calendar that shows you like what books you're reading on each day of the week uh, so it can help you. Um, it's, it's very informative and graphic-wise. Um, the latest book I read was about uh, The War of the Roses, which, for those of you who don't know, is an incredible book. Uh, so that book was actually, let's see here, I'm going to find it. Let's see, books, and uh, da, 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 I'm on the app, and I'm still navigating at the moment. So hold on one second, my friends. Okay. So the book was called The War of the Roses, and it was by Allison Weir. Um, and it is about 418 pages long. Um, I read it uh, in late October to early November. Um, like I said, it involves specifically the history of The War of the Roses. Um, if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend checking that out because it's very similar to Game of Thrones, a fictional fantasy series. A lot of the inspiration behind that show was taken from the real-life encounter of The War of the Roses. These are uh, passages that I've archived from this. We're going to read some of those now. Edward Hall posed a rhetorical question, what misery, what murder, what execrable plagues this famous region have suffered by the division and dissension of the renowned houses of Lancaster and York? My wit cannot comprehend, nor my tongue declare. For what noble man, what gentleman of any ancient stock or progeny whose lineage hath not been infected and plagued by this unnatural division? The Elizabethan antiquarian John Stowe referred to the War of the Roses as all that heaving and hurling out. While Shakespeare wrote a cycle of plays about them, saying famously, England hath long been mad and scarred herself. The brother blindly shed the brother's blood. The father rashly slaughtered his own son. The son compelled Ben Butcher to the sire. All this divided York and Lancaster. And so that is one passage from the book, actually towards the ending. Uh, but it pretty much sums up the whole history. Uh, the War of the Roses was a battle between uh, two famous royal families in England, the House of Lancaster and the House of York. Uh, the red rose and the white rose signified each house. Uh, the ideology behind this, of course, is symbolisms, but basically each house declared rule. Um, on one side you had Edward IV, on the other side you had Henry VI. Um, both had families, uh, both ended up gaining and losing thrones of power in England. All of it had this, um, you know, kings that were overthrown. Uh, much of it is bloody and 
involved uh, England and France and other countries over the years. So it's a very long, drawn-out war that took place over 30 years um, in about the mid-1400s. Um, here are some more passages. Um, the main character, of course, is Henry VI, who was king of England and lost his throne and regained it, and then lost it again. Uh, of course, he had a son who became the a prince and the heir to the throne, who tried to take it back by rebellion. Um, so, unfortunately, he was killed in battle, and this is what is read on his epitaph. Here lies Edward, Prince of Wales, cruelly slain while youth. Anno Domini 1471, uh, this passage was originally written in Latin. And then it goes on to say, Alas, the savagery of men, thou art the sole light of thy mother, the last hope of thy race. And then we got some more quotes here. Um, this one is a good one. Warwick, she cried, had pierced her heart with wounds that could never be healed. They would bleed till the day of judgment when she would appeal to the justice of God for vengeance against him. His pride and insolence had first broken the peace of England and stirred out to beg their bread in foreign lands. And not only had he, him, she, and her son had been an, attained, prescribed, and driven upon the fatal wars which had desolated the realm, though injured her as a queen, but he had dared to defame her reputation as a woman by divers false and malicious slanders, as if she had been false to her royal lord, the king, which things she could never forgive. This context and quote is talking about two characters in the story, Warwick, who was kind of like the quasi-leader uh, of the realm, uh, kind of led both sides to power um, and betrayed one another. And, of course, he's talking about uh, the Henry the wife's, or Henry the king's wife, who was Queen of Margaret of Anjou, uh, a place in uh, France. And basically, she married the king of England and came to power and basically was the domineering personality that tried to hold her husband together when he had mental illness. Um, and he lost his power because of this, um, all, among other factors that were going on in his kingdom. But basically, her and this character Warwick were at odds for most of the time against each other because he had slandered her and said basically she's not really a queen and her son isn't really her son and all the horrible things that kind of go with that. Okay, next we have another passage here. I, King Harry, charge and command that no manner of resistance against me and my own realm, for I shall know what abide not but void the field and not be so hard to make aware through I am in great dis disease and heaviness. I, th I believe that's supposed to be distress. And by the traitor dare be so bold to raise people in my own land and quarter that may be taken afterward of them to have destroyed them every mother's son. And they be hanged drawn faith that I owe to St. Edward and the crown of England. I shall example to all such traitors to beware and to make any such rising of the governor. And for a conclusion rather than they shall have any uh, people within my land and so traitorly to abide their king and lord here with me at this time, I shall this day, for their sake, and this quarrel myself, live and die. So we have a great passage there about Henry, sorry, about uh, King Henry. Uh, and then, of course, we have this last one I'm going to leave you with. Strong be thy walls about thee stand, wise be the people that within thee dwell. Fresh be thy river with his lusty strands, blithe be thy churches, well sounding be thy bells, rich be thy merchants and substance that excels. Fair be the, their wives, right lovesome, white and small, 
Clear be thy virgins lusty under kirtles. London, thou art the flower of cities of all. So we have a little bit of poem there to go with everything. Um, and so that's basically me using this app to uh, read those passage, passages to you guys. And so that's some great selections there. Um, so what did I give the book? I gave it a four out of five. Um, a lot of names to keep up with in the story. Kind of gave you the basics. Um, there's a lot of so-and-so begot so-and-so. So if you are familiar with history, you kind of already know that. Uh, but basically, it can be a little bit confusing as many kings were there and then not there. So thankfully, there's a really helpful chart in the back of the book that helps you kind of keep track of who was who when, who was king of England when, and what happened, and why, were this, why was this king deposed, and why did this one come to power, and why are we fighting? It all came down to basically which sides. Um, one shocking thing that I will leave you with is that many of the common folks switched allegiances very quickly basically to anyone who I thought was coming to power, um, which makes sense. They're not going to go support the losing side. But many times during the battles, not all of them, but many times the most common foot soldiers and people were spared, mainly because they knew that they owed their allegiance to their royalty and the leaders. So typically when a major battle was fought, the leaders of those, um, you know, the, the super generals, the people who were in charge of sort of like the whole planning and strategic aspect of everything, uh, those were the ones that were hanged, and those are the ones that were branded traitors each time some, some side fought one another. But at the end of the day, that is basically what uh, happened in the War of the Roses, a 30-year long drawn-out war um, in the medieval time period. Um, the future would be brighter for England, of course, uh, but at this time, England is still just kind of a beginning state on the bridge of an empire, and we'll see what happens. All right, and uh, if you like today's episode, please feel free to share and answer any of my questions. Um, I hope you have some feedback for me. I'm going to put a feedback, a um, little bit of a clip there at the end of the episode for you guys to answer me back. Uh, tell me what you like about it. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16, at yahoo.com. Thank you.